What's going on, guys? Welcome into another episode of the Ask Tony Show. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I have a very special guest today. He is an entrepreneur. He is a community leader, and I've been wanting to talk to him for quite a while. Eddie Lopez. Eddie, thank you so much for joining me, my man. Of course, man. I'm excited to be here. It's going to be a great conversation. I've uh, you know, learned a little bit about what you do and how you do it, and I'm super interested uh, because I genuinely feel that you bring something different, and yeah. I think that we can relate a lot. You know, based on our upbringings, based on what we're doing, I feel like we're in a very similar place. So I think that's going to make for some great conversation. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? What are you yeah. all about? So, uh, like I was just telling you, bro, this is my first time on the podcast. So if I'm like <laughs> it's all good. Just let camera, it rip. <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm an awkward guy um, naturally. So this is going to be fun. My wife always makes fun of how freaking awkward I am. So you'll be great. She's going to have a freaking, you're going to blow her mind. Have a right good now. Time. <laughs> so yeah, my name's Eddie. Um, I'm actually from Mexico originally. So I was born in Ciudad Obregón, Sonora. Awesome. I moved here to the States when I was six. Um, we moved originally to Utah and then we went to Reno, Nevada, moved back to Utah when I was 12. And then I've been here ever since, man. How'd you like Nevada? I liked it, dude. But when I think back, I can't. Um, it's crazy to think how ghetto <laughs> my like neighborhood was. Yeah. Where I was upbringing, yeah. like my upbringing. Utah's different. That's one of the reasons why I love Utah. Because even like the the rough patches in Utah, they're not that bad. No, they're not <laughs> that bad. They're like super nice suburban, you know. It's fine. Yeah. yeah but sure. like, it, you know, it was, it's crazy because like, now that I'm a parent, right? Like my, I would be gone all day playing with my friends in the hood, right? Yeah. And without health insurance, <laughs> <laughs> health you know, insurance. you think about that stuff. Yeah. Like now that you're, um, that's how I grew up too. We would just yeah. play outside, and my parents didn't know where I was for like hours. Yeah, we'd go from one person's house, one person's house, and now my son is kind of the same way. He likes to play with his friends a lot. But that gives my wife some anxiety of like, you know, where is he? Is he going to get hurt? But that's how we grew up, bro. Yeah, man. And I think that's the best way to grow up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Honestly. Uh, but yeah, um, been here since I was 12. I'm currently a, a loan officer for Security National Mortgage. The, brother. The, um, the loan officer. officer. The loan officer, guys. <laughs> I'm the only one I'm at the, the only company. one. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's a really cool company. And I started in mortgages um june of 2019 okay so you're relatively new yeah awesome relatively new uh but it's crazy the amount of things you can learn as uh as like in such a short amount For of sure. time and that's one of the things that i admire about you because you're relatively new but you've already started to build something and for a lot of people it takes them five six seven eight nine years myself included to actually build something substantial, but you already, I mean, you have a team, you have good numbers in a very relatively short period of time. Yeah, man, I do. And I'm like, I thank God every day for that. Um, and definitely I have a lot of people to thank, especially my, my two bosses. I actually work for these two cats, Manfred, Canfe, Rosner. Great people. They're the most. Shout out Manfred. Yeah. Shout out to Manfred and Canfe. <laughs> Yeah. They're amazing. Like okay. they changed my life for yeah. sure. So I'm definitely grateful for them and the opportunity. Um but yeah, like I said, I have um I have a team. Thankfully I have my sister, her name's Reina. She's amazing. And I have my cousin, his name's Jose, he's amazing too. And man, we're just um I'm a competitive guy, man. So I just like I just wanna be 
you know, the top, the top dog I'm, around here. I'm the same way. Talk to us a little bit about that family dynamic because I've talked to entrepreneurs in the past that have family businesses and sometimes they struggle because there's this, at some point, you got to separate work and family, right? Yeah. Especially if you're in, you know, high stress situations, you got to get stuff done or somebody makes a mistake, something. And so a lot of people struggle with that, with that dynamic of, you know, especially if you're their boss, you yeah. know, of giving them criticism or constructive criticism, coaching, whatever you want to call it. Uh, how do you navigate that when it's your sister and your cousin that are in your office? Dude, honestly, I'm learning that. I'm learning that right now. Um, thankfully, like, they're just really good. Yeah. Like, they've been good. Amazing. Like, I have no complaints. Um, but, yeah, when it gets down to the constructive criticism, I'm learning that right now, bro. Like, it's... Um, it's difficult because... Very I difficult. Mean, it's not the same as a stranger, right? You love sure. you You love this person. But sometimes you have to have those conversations. Sure, yeah. You know, but I think that it helps that, that they have a good skill set and that they don't put themselves in those kinds of positions often where you have to correct them. Yeah, but it, it can be tough when, when you have to have that conversation and sit someone down. It, it can be difficult if it's your sister or whoever it may be. No, for sure. And I mean, man, for some reason, it's just been, it's just flown, flown well, flown well. And um, it's flowing well. And um, hopefully we just keep growing, keep growing, keep killing it, um, keep doing, doing well. Um, like for those that know, you know, that are, familiar with the industry and kind of what we do like we're just closing like everybody like two weeks early yeah you know which is crazy yeah it's know, crazy it's really and it's good. just like all right give us you know give us the day of, of closing you know we we're we're closing like everybody about two weeks early from that what do you attribute that to what what do you think that that you do that allows you to do that when other lenders sometimes struggle with that so <clears throat> You know, I did spend a good amount of time as a lender by myself, and I was like, "Man, the, the we have to do so much as loan officers." You right? do, and it's underrated, and a lot of people don't know what goes into it. I was blessed to have a lot of training on that end at my former brokerage, where they let me get into the weeds and do pricing and stuff. So I got more, way more involved than any other realtor is, does or is supposed to. So that, that is absolutely true. You guys do a ton of stuff that people do not see. Dude, it's a lot. It is. And so I was like, man, our focus has to be. So the, the way our system works is like I'll take an application. And then after we take that application, my cousin Jose, he does everything to get somebody pre-approved. Sure. So he gets the verifications of employment. He gathers all the documents. And so we do a lot of work on the front end. And so then when it goes under contract, my sister, Reina, the only thing she does is processing the loan after it's under contract. Yep. And that takes so much time. It does. And that's all she does. And so, um, you know, those are the places where I feel like you need to focus on in order to close your stuff on time and in order to give out good pre-approvals. I agree. And do. I feel like you guys are very strong with those pre-approvals, which again, is something that a lot of people don't understand if you don't have the technical knowledge. But in, in a lot of cases, you'll put in an application to get a pre-approval or something like that. And they'll just run very basic stuff and they'll give you a letter. Or sometimes agents just want the pre-approval very quickly because they want to do showings and send offers. Right. So your actually Security National has a little bit of a rap of being slow. You yeah. know, I've, I've heard that before. 
before I started working with you guys more, um, that was just a comment that you guys were slow. But once I actually work with you guys, I understood why that was. And it's because you guys verify everything on the front end, which then avoids problems later. Right. So even though sometimes it's a little bit more tedious up front, um, it does avoid a lot of those, a lot of those pitfalls, which at the end of the day, if the loan doesn't go through, then it's just a tremendous waste of time. Exactly. But it does take certain patience from the agents and the buyers Mm -hmm. to understand why there's this process that takes longer than usual, if you will. For sure. And, you know, the funny thing is when I started in the industry, like I've only ever been able to not close on two loans, like my whole time. Every, if I give you a pre-approval, it closes. It's going through. It's going through. We For close. Sure. Unless the appraisal comes in low, something that's completely out of my control. Unless the buyer cancels. Unless the buyer cancels. It's not on like you. That. Not on me. But... You know, when it's been on me, it's only happened twice, and they were when I first started, right? right. And, and dude, that was like what happened was is an agent was like, dude, here's this client, um, let's get him pre-approved, and it was a complex situation with taxes because they were self-employed, mm. and they weren't ready. And this realtor was like, yo, yo, like, and I was new, and he was like, I yeah. need that pre-approval, and I was like, um, fine. I finally gave it to them, gave and we them. didn't close. Like, I messed yeah. up, and um. And that's where agents make mistakes because, yeah. you know, he, and it's more common than you would think, but agents pressure uh, lenders like all day long, like crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, when you put yourself in that situation to where your buyer isn't ready, you as an agent have to understand that. And, you know, you have to let the process play itself out. And one of the, the things that I've learned is you got to let everybody do their job. Yeah, You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the lender has to do their job. You're the agent. Do your job. Let title do their job. But some agents want to kind of micromanage everything. And I feel like that's a mistake. Oh, it is. And it's just like, why would you want to do so much work? Else's? Right? Yeah, it's like so much work. Like go focus on on something yeah. else. Like let, let the lender do their job. But that's where I feel like trust comes in. Yeah. Where do you trust the other person? Right? For if, sure. I, if I send you a name, do I if I trust you, I can just let it go. Yeah, because I know that you guys are going to take care of it. It's going to whatever your process is, you're going to follow it. I don't have to supervise you. Right. Um, And so that's one of the things that I've tried to do is the people that I work with is the people that I can trust. Yeah. People that I don't feel stressed or feel the need to micromanage. So how do you conceptualize that? How do you build trust with the people that you work with so that they let you do your job and they're not all over you all day? Um, No, that's a good question. I think, um, man, I, I I don't even know how to answer that, bro. Do you think I, about that? Like, is I, that something conscious or is it more like we're just going to do a good job and just, just whatever happens, happens? <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. Like, I think after you close the deal with us, you're like, oh, dang, that was easy. Yeah. You know, you know, that, that, that was a very good flow. Um, we closed, um, we closed just fine. Um we're getting referrals from from the, the person we deals. closed. Yeah. And so, you know. Which that's I, the the biggest compliment, right? Exactly. When, I mean, if somebody has a bad experience, they're not, they're not going to refer you to anybody. So I try to gauge it that way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm getting referrals and people are making good comments, then I'm doing a good job. Yeah. Right? And so I think that's how, that's a, a good way to gauge is if people are willing to refer you or not. For sure, but I'm, I'm going to have to think about that more because you're right. It's all about trust. It really I mean, is. I mean, from all angles, right? Mm-hmm. It, it goes the same your way. If you are going to send a lead, uh, 
mm-hmm. to an agent, it ha- you have to have trust there. You have to know that they're going to follow up. They're going to do the proper things. They're going to send good offers. They're going to ne- yeah. negotiate hard. Like you're not going to waste a lead on an agent that you don't trust. Yeah. And so that trust component for me is huge on on all aspects, because again, there's so many layers to this transaction that sometimes people don't realize that if there's no, if there's no trust there, it just doesn't work from the inspector to the lender, to the processing team, the title company, everybody has to be on the same page and trust each other or it falls apart or there's misunderstandings or all of a sudden I'm all over your back. You're all over my back. And then it's like, this just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this industry is, is, is very, very based on trust. But again, Another layer to to you is there's so many lenders, right? Yeah. Lenders and agents, they're, they're everywhere. For sure. I think there's a stat the average person knows like seven realtors. So for you and I, I feel like one of our big tasks is how do we stand out? For sure. Especially in an industry where we're young and yeah. most of the big winners are older. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. the average realtor is like a 57-year-old white woman. Like it's mm. just different, right? Okay. So the demographic is just different. Right. Um, so how do you view that and how do what what steps do you take to try to differentiate yourself in a crowded market? Man. Asking some tough questions right now, bro. <laughs> I definitely um need to work on that. I I am not the best at that for sure. Well, like for example, you um, we have this idea of this of this networking project, yeah. right? Talk to us a little bit about that, because that's something different that people do also i know that you do uh like buyer classes first time buyer classes yeah. and you partner on those so talk to us a little bit about that because that's that's something different that gives you more visibility from a value perspective versus just a, a traditional marketing perspective no for sure i think the biggest thing um that we try to do to stand out is really um try to obtain leads for our agents you know like you, you know, you agents send us leads, but man, we send leads back. Yeah. You know, which is huge. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> it's nice, right? It um, really is. It really is. And like, you know, it's, it's pretty cool because, um, one thing that helps me is that my wife is not a realtor. Mm. I don't have like my sister, my dad or something. It's not a realtor. That's an interesting point. Yeah. That's an interesting point. There's no conflict of interest of, yeah, I exactly. see. I can see that. So then, like when like our past clients give us a lead, you know, send us a referral, it's going right back to that to that ref, to that referral to, to that agent the, to that agent. Yeah, sure. And so um, that helps, I think, because I, I I can't just like, hey, sister, here's here's this here's this deal. Go go make it work. No, it's like um, no, I I give it I give them to the agents I work with and. We produce a good amount of leads. so You guys um, do. And I think that, that that is important because there's this idea of make it a win-win. You know, you give, I give. Yeah. When with a lot of lenders, it's not like that. It's, you know, they build their business off of getting leads from agents. Mm-hmm. So that that's their business model. So they're constantly courting agents to get their business, but there's not a lot of reciprocation on the back end. Yeah. Which there's two, there's the two models. Because if, if you do it that way then you're just casting a wide net. You have to get as many realtors as you can. Yeah. So if all of a sudden you're getting deals from 10, 15 agents, you know, then if you try to then give leads, it's difficult to do that because you got to spread it around everywhere and everybody works different. So that's one model that a lot of people follow. The other one is 
as a lender saying, I'm going to try to get my own leads. I'm yeah. going to try to get my own biz and build a team of agents that I can trust, even though it's at a smaller quantity. But I feel like when you do it that way, the quality goes up for sure because you know the agents that you're working with. There's not that many. You're familiar with each other and you don't rely on the agents 100 percent to bring you the business you can generate it yourself. No, right? for sure. That's 100 percent. And like I've heard a lot of, you know, people in our industry be like, dude, just call call realtors, yeah. like call them, call them, get their business. I'm like, nah, dude, that is not what I do. Like the agents I call. We become homies, like we become friends. And that's how it should be. I mean, yeah. you you and I had lunch the other day and I was telling you, that's my goal. I mean, my goal is to do business with my friends. Yeah. It just makes it better, dude. Like, and even though it your does. circle is, is small, but when your circle is small and you trust everyone and everybody is good at what they do, it just works so much better, man. It really it does. does. And I'm always like hesitant to call, you know, like if I wanted to, I feel like I could call a bunch of realtors and, and, you know, go after their business and I would do, I would get more business, but dude, like scaling in this and as a lender is not easy, man. It's, it's not easy. And that's the decision, right? Where do you, in what basket do you want to put your eggs? Do you mm -hmm. want to rely on the agents, make that your model? Yeah. Or do you want to build something that can sustain itself, which I feel is much more valuable, even though it's way more difficult. It is. It is way more difficult. Way more difficult. Definitely. Um, I'm I, I'm very thankful for the agents I work with. And I am I would say my business is geared towards that. Even though we do try to produce our own leads, um, we could always do better at that. But I am like on the side of the working with realtors to to refer us business. Um, but, you know, we we don't work with a lot of realtors. Yeah. You know, I don't call realtors all day. Hey, hey, come on, mm -hmm. send me business. Now, nah. I work with few realtors and I try to like really bring them a ton of value because if like it's tough when you, you're getting so many leads, you're not going to do a good job for anyone. Of course. You can't, you can't please anyone. Right. That's what I learned early. I'm like, I can't be calling 50 realtors and doing a bad job for each of them, you know? And that's where it, it gets tough Yeah. because you have all these people that have different systems, different expectations, different ways of doing things. And it can get messy really quick. But I think it does speak to the broader point of any entrepreneur out there. Be selective about who you work with. For sure. And don't just go after everyone and try to be everything for everybody, uh, which I feel like is the easy route that a lot of people take and they end up falling flat on their face because they're not selective. Mm -hmm. And if you let anybody walk through the door and, you know, take your leads or, you know, whatever it is, you can set yourself up for disappointment. And yeah, dude. And like when I started, I think when you start, you can't be too selective. Honestly, you got to get going. You got to get your business going. Mm. And so I was just working with whoever yeah. I could get my hands on. And I was working with this agent. And every any time this person would call my phone, dude, I would like physically hurt. Bro. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, yeah. what? Oh, like I'm hurting. Like. Yeah. I and hate nobody talking wants to this that, person. <laughs> like you, yeah. you don't, you don't want to go in your day to day like that. For and sure. all of a sudden, you know, you have one agent like that, but what if you had seven? Exactly. It's like, this sucks. Exactly. You know? you know, as, as we started doing better, as I started doing better, I was like, dude, I'm going to work with people I freaking like. Of course. Like I'm done with like getting calls <laughs> from agents and I'm like, oh, like in physical pain because like, it's tough, dude, man. they can be so demeaning, you know, especially when you're new, people treat you like terribly which is understandable but no it's not understandable no, bro. actually it's, it's not, not. and here's the yeah. ultimatum to agents you know me being an agent just be a good person dude, dude. like people like 
what what I've learned is everybody wants to get the deal done. Yeah. Everybody wants it to close. If it doesn't close, you don't get paid. I don't get paid. Title doesn't get paid. Nobody gets paid. Right. So nobody wants the deal to fall apart. But you know, just be just just let people do their job. And it goes back to the same thing. It goes back to do you trust the person that's across from you? Because if sure. you don't, then I got to demean you. I got to be on you. I got to bully you. I got to make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do when that's not my job. Like right. I, me as an agent, and I've, I've, I, I learned this and I've always tried to put this into play. I am nobody's boss. Mm-hmm. I'm not the lender's boss. I'm not the inspector's boss. I'm not the escrow officer's boss. I'm nobody's boss. Right. But so, some agents feel that way. Yeah. Because they bring the lead or because it's their client. Sure. And I feel like that's just a losing formula. It is, man. We're all on the same team, bro. We are. Like, we're all trying to help people, like, sincerely help people. Like, I've, I love what I do because we, we, we help people on such a big scale. Like we do. Home, it's a dude. life-changing <laughs> situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, man, who doesn't want to close on the file we had to close on, you know? And so that's a really good point. Yeah. I sure. mean, everybody wants the same result. Yeah. But everybody also has their process. Sure. We all need to respect each other's processes and understand that everybody has a good intention, which is one of the things that I've noticed about you. And I think that one of the reasons why you do well is because you have a good intention. Yeah. You can just see it. Right. I can Mm -hmm. tell I've, I've met hundreds of, of, you know, lenders and people in the industry and a lot of folks will approach me and court me to, to, to give them business. Right. Sure. But I can tell that I'm just another name on the list right so they'll go on the mls they'll see who produces more than x number of deals and they'll start making those calls and it feels fake in many cases it feels fake i've had lunches where i'm like this person that i mean it's just it's not there but with you it was a completely different vibe and i think that you know you mentioned it at first that we have a lot of things in common of you know being young in the industry dude beard things differently we've got the (laughs) facial hair going on lighter (laughs) yeah there's just a lot of similarities there and and that's where i think that the value lies um, and working together because, mm. you know, I'm big into networking. I have multiple networking groups that I run. You're trying to start one yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, I love educating people. You love educating people. So talk to us a little bit about that uh, aspect of what you do and why you find it's valuable. For sure. Um, I'll start with the networking. Um, I had uh, mentioned to you, I'm starting this like um, network of young Latino um entrepreneurs or I want to call it like the Latino wealth project, something along those lines. I love it. And, um, it has a lot to do with just bringing people together who are killing it in their perspective industries. Um, and then just educating each other more Mm -hmm. so that, you know, we can educate the people around ourselves and then so that we can also create opportunities for each other. For sure, because there's there's so many opportunities out there that we sometimes don't know about. You yeah. mentioned, you know, bringing in someone that knows a lot about stocks, someone For that sure. knows a lot about crypto, someone that knows about insurance or real estate or whatever the case may be. Um, and I feel like there's a big need there. Yeah. Because, I mean, we don't learn these things in school. Or, right. For example, in my case, I didn't finish college. So where do you learn those things? And if you just go to YouTube or you just follow stuff, it's not as in depth. You might make mistakes, especially when you're talking about making investments. Yeah. So I love that idea because I feel like it's very needed, especially for Hispanics. For sure. Especially for Hispanics. Um, I'm a big fan of this, um, this dude, you already know, Jimmy Rex. Mm -hmm. I don't know him personally. Um, he's a great dude. Jimmy's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And like, I follow him on Instagram and he's always posting things like, 
hey, I get, I, I, you know, put an opportunity on my friend. I took a chance on them, and now they're this business that they started has paid me or has done this for me. And it's like, man, like that's what I want. I yeah. want those opportunities, and like you have to network with people in order. Um, you have to create relationships with them, like real relationships. Real relationships. Because, for example, yeah. uh, an, an example of something that Jimmy has done is, you know, he'll post on his stories, hey, we're building a restaurant. We're bringing in investors who, who wants in $50,000 a pop. Right. And he'll fund a project in 20 minutes from Instagram. Like, that's the power of networking. Yeah. Right? Or they had a, a bunch of different units in St. George. I think this was a, early last year. And uh, he posted it. It was for like Airbnbs. Yeah. And I think he sold like 60 homes in 24 hours, like something insane just from an Instagram post. But it's because there's that network of people that are interested in investing that that want to grow their wealth, that want to do it. So um, being able to create that will make so many opportunities, not only for yourself, but for the people in the room, which I think is where the value lies. Yeah, man. And I feel like in in my opinion, I, I feel like people are trying to become investors at an earlier age in life. That's true. You know, like yes. nobody just wants to like work a nine to five, buy a house and die. You right. know, it's like, no, like let's, let's get some properties. Like I have some properties. I ha- I'm, I'm trying to get my investments going. I have, yeah. I have a couple rental properties, you know, um, I'm currently, um, in, I've invested in a startup business with, with a friend who, it's funny that we're talking about the the Latino wealth um, network I'm trying to get going because he was the first guy I called. Um, he's my buddy, um, Henry, and smartest guy I know, smartest guy I know. He's like a professor at the U, teaches business wow. and investing. And I was like, dude, I'm trying to get this network going. Are you down? And he's like, yeah, dude, of course. And guess what? I'm, I'm, I have a startup coming up. Mm. And, and that's the cool thing because people that really win – I've, and I've learned this, they want to contribute. Yeah. They really do. Like they want to spread knowledge and they want to help people out. And I think, again, if, if you have the ability to bring all those people and put them in a room, there's no limit to what can happen. There's no limit, man. And it's like, you know, I, I'm obsessed with the Latino community. You know, I just like got so much love for my people. I want to build what I want to help help each other build wealth, you know, so that, you know, we can live the lives we want to live and, and then help our community to elevate itself. Like, that's like, mm, like one thing I'm very passionate about. And I think this is one thing that I can do and it helps that I'm a lender mm-hmm. and I can look at your taxes and pay stuff and things like that and be like, help people. Out. Hey man, like you're doing really well. What do you do? Sure. And then, so, so, so like you said, I have my friend Henry, he's like this stock genius. Actually on Thursday nights, we go to his, uh, to a clubhouse and he teaches us about stocks like in depth, bro. It's super crazy. Yeah. And, and then I have crypto dudes and then I have people with restaurants, people Mm. with car dealerships, real estate cats, um, people with rentals. And then, man, every, and what I've noticed about most people, I, I know quite a bit about taxes just because I have to. When I talk to entrepreneurs about taxes, especially the Latino ones, bro, they don't know anything. We struggle. We, we struggle. <laughs> we str- and I'm like, I've had my fair, fair, fair struggle with taxes in the past. And yeah, it's a, it, it, because again, it's these topics that where do we learn them, bro? Right. 
you know, our parents, you know, maybe first generation immigrants or whatever the case may be. Um, they didn't teach us these things and you yeah. don't learn it in high school. Maybe someone went to college or not. So yeah, there's a tremendous gap there. Uh, and for example, I've known people that have lost a ton of money in crypto Yeah, and they thought they were going to be billionaires the next week and they just blew a bunch of money because <laughs> they didn't yeah. know what they were doing. Right. Yeah. But the other thing that the Latino has that I think is interesting is that we're chasers, man. Yeah. Like, we're trying to go for it because mm -hmm. of the way that we grew up, the way that we were raised, you know, or our backgrounds didn't grow up with much. So we, we want it. We just sometimes don't know how to get there. Right. And that's where I think the value in your project lies. Yeah. So no, I completely agree, man. And it's going to be a cool project. It's, you know, um, the, the thing that I'm worried about is like, man, I don't, I don't just want this to be a place where like, you know, we meet up somewhere like, Hey man, what's up? What's your name? Um, you know, it's, it's like, it has to be education education focused you know? yeah and i agree with that that's one of the things that we've tried to build with our networking platforms of i've been to networking groups where it's just like a party it's like it's like a lunch and everybody's just like there sitting with their friends right and there's not tremendous value there unless you're a very outgoing person if you're a sure. very outgoing person and you can go shake hands then cool but most people are not like that most people don't want to meet strangers right uh, but if there's a good educational aspect then i think that that makes it more interesting and people actually want to go because they know that they're going to get something in return. They're For not just sure. going to sit there and stare at people. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, man, personally, like net networking, I've been to plenty of networking events and they're like that. And it's like, dude, I want to be with my fam. Like, <laughs> right. I, 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 like I, I work a lot. I want to be with my fam. This isn't enough value for me to be here to justify to being To give you here. an hour and a half and just sit exactly. here and do nothing. But if there's a cat going over, like, stocks hard and, and then Airbnbs, like, hey, how to have a successful Airbnb business, yeah. um, how, to, how to do Turo, how to kill it with Turo or something, you know, something. Now, yeah. yeah, now you're like, okay. Yeah, like, I'll oh, stick okay, around yeah. for that. Yeah, I'm for sticking sure. around for that, and I'm and I'm gonna, you know, there's value here, and there's growth opportunities, and above else, um, you know, I want um, opportunities for me to invest, you know, my money. Sure, in. and yeah. also it's try to create the group that you would want to be a part of. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's one of the things that I've tried to do with the podcast coalition, with Bagels and Branding, like build something that that you would go to, build yeah. something that if someone else did it and it wasn't you that you would attend, that you would be a part of, that you would think is cool. And I think that when you do it that way, you're more motivated because you enjoy your project and it just ends up being being better because you want to provide that value. You're not just looking for leads or looking for clients. You, you understand that that is going to be a byproduct. If you brand yourself, if you bring all these winners in a room yeah. and winners, no winners, and you become the mortgage dude yeah. of that circle, that's what Jimmy does. Yeah, he just has a bunch of really influential friends in a bunch of different industries, and he's the real estate guy in the room. So naturally, it just ends up happening. He just ends up getting deals from people that do very, very well. Yeah, because those are his friends, and he doesn't have to go out and cold call people. He he just made himself the real estate dude in his network, and it works. Man, it works. It works. So it's the same thing for you. If you have yeah. all, all, if you know all these people that that do well, want want to reach out or outgoing you become the mortgage man in yeah. that circle you'll absolutely kill it for sure you'll man win. and like what i've noticed when i when i when i'm having these conversations with people that like to invite them to be a part of this group i'm always like dude you know 
it's it's a place for for like-minded people to get together build real relationships build friendships um and just grow and it's like a lot of people have told me because a lot of these people i'm reaching out are about my age and i'm Mm -hmm. 28 and so relatively younger people that are doing really well and they're like man all my friends are just not there with me you know it's true it's like separate yourself yeah you separate like you know it's it gets lonelier at the top right and so you grow you outgrow people and it's not easy to find an like an entrepreneur friend who who you can have these conversations with and you enjoy being there because like when you when you start doing better you you start realizing how important your time is 100 percent, and how you can't just give your time to just anyone right you know, your your friends have to also be uplifting. Yeah, you know, and your circle like gets that. smaller, right? Because smaller. if you're doing well, you're probably busy. I mean, yeah. there's, I mean, unless you get to those super crazy levels, but most people that are doing well, and when I say doing well, I, I would say they make under three hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they're between that one fifty and three hundred, which is really good. Yeah, they're busy peeps. Yeah, you know, once you become a bajillionaire, then yeah, you can chill on yachts. But most of us. I mean, we're hustling, so we don't have that much time. So it goes back to what you said about these networking groups. Where is it worth it? Where am I going to go sit for an hour and a half plus my commute? Yeah. It has to be worth it. It absolutely has to be worth it. It has to be worth it, man. And, like, you know, we're just trying to get our yachts too, man. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but, honestly, this this networking, I'm really not trying to get leads from it. Like, I'm not trying to get a bunch of people together who are going to go buy a million-dollar homes, you know? Yeah. Not trying to get leads from it. It's just like genuinely trying to help my community. Um, and I feel like bringing a bunch of winners together is how we can do it. Is and one I, thing we and can that's do. why I think the project has a shot. Yeah. Because I get pitched projects all the time of let's do this group or let's do this class or let's do this. But the intent is always to make money. Yeah. It's always to make money. Like that. that's why people do things. And it's not that that's a bad thing because we're all growing businesses. But when you come at a value uh proposal first and you understand that the leads or the clients whatever is going to be a byproduct yeah and but that's not what you're going for um it changes the dynamic so i've had conversations with people that want to grow networking groups and i ask them i'm like what do you want Mm -hmm. what do you what do you actually want and most of the time the answer is i want to grow my business like Mm -hmm. aka i want to make money off of this right and if that's the focus i feel like there's less chance that you'll survive because it's really hard. I mean, you'll see it. The first couple of events that we had, there was four people in the room. Like, like nobody cared, dude. Right. Nobody cared. Like the podcast coalition, nobody cared for six months. Okay. And then slowly people start to come. But if, if I'm going to this event trying to get leads and I do four events and I don't get any leads because there's eight people in the room and three of them are my family, you start to get discouraged. Oh, for sure. And you start to be like, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. You know? But if it's, I'm trying to build value, I believe in my project, I know that people just have to know about it and they'll show up, then then it's different. I mean, we had like 60 people yesterday here for the Podcast Coalition because you just start and you believe in the project and you're not looking to cash out right, right away. You're just trying to make friends that can then give you a shot to yeah. convert something if the opportunity presents itself, right? No, for sure. And I mean, worst case scenario, you just got a new friend. You just got you know? a new friend. And it's it's a fun time, man. And I feel like relationships are underrated. Yeah. Like for quality sure. relationships. 
For you sure. know what I mean? Yes. Like, and you said it. When you can hit up a buddy and go grab lunch and have a constructive conversation where you can learn something or they're doing something different, like that, that is underrated. I feel like we, especially after this whole pandemic thing, we need more quality human connection. For sure. You know what I mean? For Not sure. just going to raves and stuff, but like, like quality quality conversations with good uplifting people that you leave that lunch and you feel good you're like yeah you know what i mean you're pleased yeah and dude like when you have kids and a wife like it's not that easy to just go out and like get, it's like, tough yeah quality relationships For sure you know? if you're going out to dinner every night it's be like what are you doing bro yeah <laughs> man. so no. but it goes back to, to the same thing you got to be selective right yeah you got to be selective and you got to have those core friends so for all those entrepreneurs out there Think about that. Think about you know making friends that are in the same boat as you, even if they're not in the same industry. I found a lot of value in that. People that are trying to grow, and I'll I'll always use this podcast um, group because it's easy to understand. But we're all trying to grow our show. We're all trying to reach more people. So we all have a common goal, mm-hmm. and we all come together to try to get better at our specific thing. Some people have podcasts of all sorts of different topics, but we're all on the same boat is basically what I'm trying to get at. And when you make friends that are on the same boat as you, um, I feel like it improves your quality of life. Oh, definitely. Man, I'm going to have to start a podcast, bro. Do it, bro. Dude, this is fun, dude. It's a good time. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, well, you get to learn a lot and stuff. Yeah. You know? I'm always down to learn. That's the thing. And like, I think that's super important. You know, never feeling that you know everything because you never do. Dude. But um, to wrap up, Eddie... Talk to us a little bit about, and I'd like to get your take. I I always ask the guests that come on the show the same question, and it's to give me your top three tips. And it would be, give me your top three tips to someone that is in their late 20s. Maybe he doesn't really know what to do. Maybe they've been invited to a thing here or there, but like they want to build something. They Maybe they're not liking their job too much, um, but they just don't have too much direction or motivation. What would you say to somebody that is in that situation? Freak, man, I think um, I think the number one thing is you got to take some risks. You got to take some calculated risks. Um, do not be afraid, you know, with that one thing. Don't be afraid to be dumb, man, to look dumb, to feel dumb, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think the more you know about a subject, the, like, you realize – you know nothing about it. That's true. You know, and um, that will lead you to become an expert and to do well at what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I used to work a nine to five job. Um, a lot of people think a loan officer is a nine to five job. It ain't. It's not. Bro. It ain't. Like <laughs> I'm not. there from like nine to seven to eight. Yeah. And so, and and it's not a nine to five because nobody like. I've never received a lead from my bank once. Yeah. Not once. Everything I've been able to accomplish has been me, you know, networking, um, marketing, doing my thing uh, to to generate business. And so I I very much feel like an entrepreneur, although maybe I might not be classified as as one, but I feel like I am because... I would say you are. Yeah, I am. All right, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I am an entrepreneur. It's a business. It's my business. you know, I don't have a boss. I mean, I have my, my two bosses, but they're a lot like mentors. They give me yeah. really good advice. They're not on your back all day. They're not like, Eddie, you need to be at work. Like, I, I don't have a schedule. It's it's all me. And so, 
I'm sorry, I'm ranting, but no, this is great. Um, my nine to five job that I used to have was a really good job, but it was so safe, dude. So safe, you know, and, um, it paid. Okay. I thought it paid. I, I, I thought it paid well at the time, you know? And so, and then my, my, I was going to have a baby, you know, my first, my son was coming and I was like, dude, I got to take a risk. Cause how am I going to be able to afford to pay for my house and bills mm-hmm. and my wife's going to not be working changes everything i got to take a risk and i took a risk and i became a loan officer and the number one t- so the number one thing is take a risk take a risk bet on yourself like bet on yourself hard and um uh work hard you know a lot of there's you know i've heard some lenders in my office be like man i want to do as much as you i want to kill it like you bro you're here from nine to five you know you're yeah, here from T- 10 to 5 dude i'm i'm here all day man yeah you know i don't i don't go home until i feel satisfied like of my day's work and that's the separator yeah that's right. the separator man Hard that's the only the thing separator for sure um and then just the, so risk work hard work hard working hard is so underrated and it really i f- is and i hate how people are getting on kim kardashian right now have you seen that how, <laughs> yeah, I saw how it, everybody's I saw hating on her Bro, she's right. She's right. You know, it it all comes down to hard work. Yeah. But it's I feel like it's a lot of this this culture of don't work hard, work smart. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. Which it's like people are trying to find ways to work less. For to sure. work as little as possible, which I kind of understand the dynamic of trying to maximize or whatever, but you just it's like you said, you got to put in the hours. You know, I'm training right now for a boxing match. Whoever trains the most hours is probably going to win that fight. Like it it just comes down to who was in the gym longer. Right. You know, if I just go in for 45 minutes every other day and just wing it and go home, you get my ass kicked. You know what I mean? And then if the other dude's in there for three hours, I mean, and Kobe Bryant talks a lot about this, like whoever puts in the most hours over time, that compound interest, you're going to be so far ahead for sure. that People aren't going to be able to catch up no matter how far, you know, how hard they go. Dude. And I feel like that all the time because like I'll have a client that will come in who who will would have just talked to a seasoned loan officer and be like, hey, they couldn't make it work, you know, this and this. I'm like, well, let's see, and I make it work, and they yeah. close on their house and they're happy, and I get business, and so that that's always nice to see. Yeah, because you become a problem solver, right? For sure, and it's just like I work hard, man. I I worked hard to learn all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that helps. So with back with Kim Kardashian, yeah, dude, I I. I thoroughly believe she works hard. She's so worked I. hard her whole life. Yeah. I think people just have a grudge against people that are privileged. You know For what sure. I mean? But I, I, it doesn't take away the hard work. I mean, For people sure. that like, for example, there's um, a famous comedian. His name's Franco Scamilla. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so he talks about it all the time. And he talks about how. He works hard, like he's from city to city and he's, you know, sleeping in uh, hotel rooms. And when he was first getting started and he didn't see his family for weeks because he was trying to go to this bar and that bar, trying to see who would give him a shot. It's just hard work, man. It wasn't just like, I'm going to upload a video and just chill. Like he was everywhere knocking on doors saying, hey, like, just give me a 30 minute spot. I'll perform for free. Like it doesn't matter. And he did that for years yeah. until he popped. It, it's not. And so the point that I'm trying to get to is even people that are rich like, or celebrities or whatever, privileged. they still work super hard. If you, if you look at the lives of actors, 
you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has talked about this. Like, he's on set all day long. Right, dude. All day for months at a time, just like stuck on a set. Uh, and I feel like a lot of people fail to realize that just because they have money. Yeah. But it's hard work. Dude, shout out to Kim Kardashian, though. Hopefully <laughs> she, like, she hits us up and like, hey, thanks for defending <laughs> me, man. Of course. Um, the third thing, you know, and I'm trying to um, figure this out myself, just balance, balance your life, mm-hmm. you know. Which is hard to do because we're just talking about hard work. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is hard to do. And I think I'm not talking about your day to day. I'm talking about your entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, you're young. Um, my kids are young. I'm trying to bust my butt so that I'm there for them. You know, so I build something good enough so that I'm there for them when they really need me to be there sure. for them. Sure, of course. And so it's like, you know, maybe I'm working hard right now, but I'm, I might be, you know, if I, if I play my cards right, my investments go well, my business does well, you know, I'm going to have a more balanced life. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, balancing your day-to-day is one thing but balancing you know mm. when you're gonna have to work hard when you can sure. chill you know i i don't think that just goes back to working hard man yeah it's just, and i feel like the harder you work over time then you get to a place it's not immediate but you eventually get to a place where you can take that time yeah you, know, you can go on that trip you can you know take a day off you you can do those things but there is a strong foundation underneath. Yeah. You know? And sometimes I feel like people try to do it the reverse. Mm-hmm. Like they want to be an entrepreneur and have complete time freedom on day one. And that's just not real. No. You know, it might take you six or seven years before you can do that. Before, for example, like I've been in Disney World sitting on a on a bench writing offers. Uh-huh. And my family was doing their thing. Like they don't have to worry about work because they they have their jobs, and so they get their days off and they're just chilling. So they're going on rides and stuff. And like I'm sitting there typing stuff, and it, it's hard work. You yeah. Know? And the goal is to eventually get to a place where I don't have to do that. But the point is, you might have to at first. For it's sure. It's just part of the game. And dude, I think I attribute a lot of my success to my wife. Oh, absolutely. So do I. Because she's not like. You're never here. You're never home. You don't do this. You don't do that. She knows that, like, I have a stressful job. I work all day. And I come home, and she's not, like, on me. Yeah. You know? She understands. And it's so huge because I have a lot of homies who their wives don't let them progress, you know? And it's like, man, I want to progress, but my wife is going to be on me, yelling at me, um... And so, and it can be vice versa too. Like if, if you're yeah, a woman sure. entrepreneur and, 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 you know, you have, you know, that balance that you're working so hard and you, you know, maybe your husband can take care of other things for you, you know, you know, same thing, same thing, but yeah, it's, it's learning that dynamic, but I completely agree that your partner has to support your goals yeah. you know, and your goals should be aligned for they sure. should be working for the same thing. That's one of the things that I talk to Leslie about all the time. Like, we have the same goals, but to get to that goal, we have different tasks within that. For you sure. You know what I mean? So I'm out trying to you know, build, trying to you know, make the money, pay the bills, build a, a company. And then and she has her tasks and she does her things. And so it's, it's getting to a place where you can do separate things for the same common goal. I yes. feel like if you can get there, um, I think that's kind of the sweet spot. But yeah, a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah, and it's like, man, my accomplishments are my wife's accomplishments. Her 
her accomplishments or mine. Yeah, because you're on you the know, same it's boat. It's got to be like that. Yeah, it's you guys are a team. Of course, like if if you fail, I fail, and vice versa. Like if if I don't work and I fail, like we're not keeping this house, bro. Like, right. like you got a nice truck, but you got a nice car or whatever. But that's if if I don't pull this off, it's not going to last very long. Like we're not going to get to where we want to. And when they understand that, they kind of let you do your thing because they trust you that, right. that that you can pull it off, right? And no. that they're going to obviously receive a benefit from that, which is fine. Yeah, no. Shout out to my wife. Shout out to our wives. <laughs> Shout <dude>. out, wives. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I think, you know, we're doing well. And it's a lot of it is because of them. Sure. So definitely going to give them their credit. Absolutely. 100%. Well, Eddie, this has been a tremendous conversation. Anything that you'd you would like to add before we go? No, I mean... Um, I think it's cheesy to like ask for business on here. No, pitch uh, yourself. Where can <laughs> then that, that's actually my next question. Where can people find you? Where can people plug into you? Sure. Um on Instagram, on Utah's Lone Boy. Um you can um yeah, you can find my information on there. My cell phone's on there. You guys can re um reach out to me at any time if you have any loan questions. Um if if you feel like, you know, dude, if you guys, if any of you went to a credit union, come talk to me, please. <laughs> come talk to me. I'll approve you for way more. Everything yeah. will be much better. <laughs> Not just um, but yeah, hit me up and, you know, we take good care of our clients. So we take a lot of pride in that. Absolutely, guys. I've seen it firsthand. So hit up Eddie if you have any questions. It's always good to just have the information, you know, whether you feel like you want to buy now, whether you're kind of thinking about it or you want to refi, see your options. It's always good to talk to a professional to get that info. Um, and then you can make the best decision for you. So guys hit up Eddie Utah's Lone Boy on Instagram. We'll put it all in the show notes, phone number and everything, but, uh, hit him up. This has been a, another episode of the ask Tony show till next time.